can't touch this. Hi, welcome back to Dissecting Dexter. I'm your host, Gareth Watkins, coming to you from the heart of North Yorkshire, England, in the mobile Dissecting Dexter studio, as it's now become known. It's here. Season 6 is upon us. It has started. It has begun. Oh yes, the premiere aired on Sunday, and, well, to say I was excited is an understatement, and I hope that you guys were as excited as I was. It was fantastic to have some new Dexter to watch, and uh, we settled in and just lost ourselves in the world of Dexter, and um, it was a good season opener. We're going to get stuck into the review in a bit, so uh, I'll keep my thoughts on the episode to myself just for a couple of minutes. Uh, But first, quick spoiler warning. Not spoilers for season six as such, but... Anybody who is listening to this show and has been what has been subscribing for the rewatch podcasts um, for those. I mean, <laughs> I think there's probably a cross section of dissecting Dexter listeners, some who have seen all of Dexter right up to the latest episode from the beginning. But there are some who I'm sure are not up to date and have just been listening to the rewatch podcast. We've been through season one and we're just uh, a little way into season two. If you're one of those people and you've not caught up to the end of season five, then you may want to stop listening. Today, I'm going to be talking about the first episode of season six. I'm not going to be spoiling anyone who is up to date with the show. I'm not going to be uh, revealing anything that's coming up in the season because honestly, I don't know and I don't want to know. Uh, But if you are just following with the rewatches and you're not up to date to the end of season five bank this podcast and listen to it when you are up to date so uh, there we go those of you who are still with me thank you very much old and new listeners all welcome one and all let's um just get a couple of bits of housekeeping out of the way um i've been talking about well recently on the season six preview show and the latest season two rewatch episode. Um, I just talked very briefly about the podcast awards. Uh, Those of you who were very kind enough to nominate Dissecting Dexter, thank you very much. I did have a few tweets from people uh, and one or two emails to say that they'd nominated me. Thank you very much. Uh, Nominations are now closed and the awards panel or the awards committee or whatever you want to call it are currently going through the nominees and grading everybody on things like quality of audio quality of the website which quite frankly i think i'm going to fall to pieces on because <laughs> we don't exactly have a decent website for the show um i've just not had the resources really to uh, and the time to devote to keeping a, a, a decent website firstly designed uh, and also updated um i've just been kind of using itunes uh, and the twitter feed uh updating the, the podcast to itunes and publicizing it on twitter um i do now have a facebook page for the podcast so if you want to maybe keep a little bit of a tab on the show uh, i'll be posting bits and pieces to it maybe a few comments here and there about dexter um there's not going to be anything in the way of personal stuff on there um i've got the twitter feed for that really if you want to follow me on twitter it's at gareth underscore uk 
but if you search for Dissecting Dexter on Facebook, you'll find the page. Um, I'll be posting links to the podcast on there. So if you're not bothered about the iTunes thing, then um, you can grab the podcast episodes from uh, the Facebook page. I'll be posting other bits and bobs as we go along. I've, I've only had it running for a, a few days, so... Um, it's in its infancy, but you're also you guys are also able to post to the wall. So you know if you want to strike up a conversation with other Dexter fans, uh, you can do so there. So I think that's the housekeeping out of the way. Let's dive into some Dexter now. We're oh, four and a half minutes in already. Crikey, I do bloody waffle. Apologies. <laughs> um, let's. Well, it became tradition last season that I would just say a few words about the ratings. It's kind of inconsequential in the scheme of things really because by all accounts season six is not going to be the final season of Dexter it's been publicized that Michael C Hall is in talks negotiating his presumably his salary for season seven so creatively they're certainly not ready to finish the show and I don't think Showtime's ready to let it go uh, and going by the ratings for the season six premiere, there's no way they're going to cancel it. The show is unusual in that it, it's growing. It's going from strength to strength viewership wise um, year on year. This latest episode, it was Dexter's highest rated premiere ever. And it was 24% up on the season five premiere. 2.2 million viewers watched at the first 9pm broadcast and with the two repeat viewings later on in the night the figures went up to 2.76 million. It was Showtime's top broadcast so far for 2011 and also it was Showtime's biggest premiere night for an original series in its history. So from Showtime's point of view fantastic viewing figures. There's no way they're going to cancel it so I'd say see, I'd, you know, I'd, I'd say season seven is nigh on a certainty, unless unless viewership figures just go through the floor and drop to zero <laughs> over the next few weeks, which isn't going to happen, is it? Let's take it as read. There's going to be a season next year. Uh, I'll still say a few words about the ratings uh, from week to week because I know that some of you um, are interested in the numbers, and you know, it, it gives us something to talk about. But really. The most of you, I'm sure, tune in to hear about, well, to talk about the episode. That's what we're interested in, isn't it? The plot, the characters, and uh, and what we all thought of it. So we've got some uh, the usual listener feedback coming up. But first, I'd like to go through the episode and just pick out some of the storylines and plot points and character moments and just little tidbits that caught my eye through the episode. So uh, let's get stuck in, shall we? <laughs> episode title those kinds of things written by showrunner or new showrunner scott buck and directed by john dahl who is a veteran of uh, multiple dexter episodes so we're in safe hands i think the episode opened with an interesting recap that went on for a few minutes and it was very useful for anyone just coming to the dexter party with glimpses of moments and characters from the last five seasons which i quite enjoyed it was um it was a nice little trip down memory lane that uh, that I appreciated. So, um, usually in the rewatch podcasts, I do 
more of a traditional recap, going through the episode scene by scene and discussing things as they come up. With with podcasting about season five last season, um, last year, it didn't feel appropriate to go through the episode in that way. Uh, most of you will be listening to this you know, a couple of days after having watched the episode. So you all know what happened. You're just interested in hearing really what I thought of it and um, picking out the highlights. So I'm going to continue doing that. So firstly, I'm going to go through and just talk about what happened with Dexter this episode. The opening moment was briefly very worrying. Dexter in his kill clothes with a bloodied knife in his hand and a wound on his side and... He's ringing 911, and actually, it was that that made me smell a rat. My first thought was, oh Christ, he's been injured, and, you know, who's got to him? And then he's ringing 911, and it just didn't didn't make sense, did it? And I, I, I don't know if it fooled any of you guys um, why he would be ringing for 911 uh, when uh, he's in his kill clothes. You know, he, odds are he's just tried to kill somebody. Uh, or in the process of, and uh, <laughs> he's not going to wave the flag, is he, and, and get the cavalry to come and, and save him. So, of course, for me, certainly, and I'm sure most of you, it was no surprise when the ambulance turned up, and we quickly discover that the two paramedics are his targets, and I quite like the uh, the double injection uh, with, with the arms crossing in a kind of X-factor gesture. <laughs> and an interesting choice of kill method, I thought, not the usual knives or bone saw. And I wondered whether perhaps allowing his MO to be more flexible is, is this part of his renewed focus for, for the new season. Uh, we know that we're a year on from the events of season five. So, um, you know, he's had 12 months to uh, sort of move along, get himself together and um, get back to his roots as we were promised. In fact, in his voiceover, he specifically says last year, everything's been going perfectly. He does seem to be in a good place. He talked about having had to endure periods of darkness, but he's got through them. How normal a recognition was that? Like the saying goes, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And I thought how we all go through bad times, but we come out the other side stronger for it. And evidently Dexter's no different. So... We soon learned that Dexter's bought the apartment next door to his and there's a, a through door, a connecting door. <laughs> and I did wonder where he was heading um, when he got back to his apartment and starts going through different doors. So we meet Jamie, Batista's sister, who's looking after Harrison and she's residing in the apartment next door, which is handy. But we see Batista there watching Harrison while Jamie went for a swim. Perhaps not ideal for other police officers to be visiting his place while he's out. In the season six preview show that I did a couple of weeks ago with Matt and Axel, we speculated about whether Batista might be the one this season to get some suspicions about Dexter. I think it's fair to say that throughout Dexter as a show to date, Batista's had not the slightest inkling of anything fishy about Dexter. But it was theorised that maybe this would be the season, bearing in mind that his sister is going to be babysitting for Harrison and maybe she'd pick up on some things and mention it to her brother and Angel would be thinking, 
well, I don't know, maybe some alarm bells would start ringing as he starts to put it together with maybe one or two other bits that have been in the back of his mind, sitting there, festering until uh, something triggers them again. Um, the uh, Well, Jamie mentioned to Batista later on the episode at that rather amusing dinner scene, uh, <laughs> Batista's discomfort was really funny, <laughs> concerned that people will think that she's his girlfriend. But she mentions about Dexter going out in the night and assumes it's due to the pain. And Batista's eyes kind of, his eyebrows kind of raise briefly uh, and says, oh, maybe he needs a hobby. But it was pretty blatant, I thought, that they they had that bit of conversation inserted in there. And I wouldn't be at all surprised if maybe that theory comes to fruition later this season. And honestly, I'm all for it. Batista needs something to, something really meaty to get his uh, get stuck into and and sort of prove his his character's worth. So back to Dexter. Um, there was all the business at the Catholic preschool. The father son thing really resonates with me. I, I've mentioned before that I have two young boys, aged four and three, currently. Uh, the four year old is about to turn five, but. Seeing the blonde Harrison sleeping when Dexter went into him, he looked just like one of mine. But uh, the preschool interview, that, that was amusing. Deb eager to impress the nun, but Dexter admitted that he's not religious, which didn't seem to score him any points. And Deb queried it with him, and he alludes to the code. You're not really sold on this place, are you? Not completely. Is it because of the religious thing? Partly. What you said in there, do you really believe that? You really believe in nothing? Yeah, I suppose I believe in a certain set of principles. What kind of principles? Well, a set of rules on how to conduct myself in the world so that I don't get into trouble. I'm not the most religious person in the world. I mean, Mom practically had to drag me to church, but seriously? What? A set of rules to follow so you don't get in trouble? Sounds like something I might teach a puppy. Is that so bad? It just sounds kind of cold and empty. <laughs> cold and empty are things that Dexter's felt, so she's not far off the mark, just for, well, not for the first time. But she seems to convince Dexter that Harrison needs something to believe in. Dexter knows he doesn't want to pass on his dark passenger, but hasn't thought about what he does want to pass on. And as we go through the episode, Dexter's seemingly curious about the religious emphasis at the school and he asks Batista and Batista it's kind of a an awkward conversation because clearly Dexter's <laughs> very skeptical uh, but not outwardly and he's he's kind of asking for a friend sort of thing and um, Batista does his best to uh, to explain his faith his belief in God in fact he, it, he he ends up admitting that it boils down to faith uh, and refers to moral goodness being in every one of us, which was funny with Dexter's uh, inner comment. <laughs> um, and as I say, the emphasis on faith and Dexter inwardly musing how that makes no sense. And it was kind of a kind of a blatant, I don't know how to put it, kind of poking a was it poking a tongue out at religion? by the writers, or more just just from Dexter's point of view. I don't know if they're trying to make a point. I don't know. But Dexter seemed like 
well, when he went back to preschool, uh, he seemed to, I don't know, he seemed to have heard enough from Batista to go back and uh, kind of pull things back with the nun. And uh, he seemed to turn it around when he went back later and uh, said about um, how he didn't get taught about God, but wants Harrison to have a good and normal childhood. And she seemed to buy that. So, uh, well, I, I think it's uh, odds on that's going <laughs> to work because uh, it's been pretty well um, telegraphed how big a factor, how big a part religion is going to play this season. And, and obviously um, Harrison being in that kind of religious environment. And let's face it, the emphasis on Catholicism was, was immense. Uh, you could see all the effigies and if that's the right word and, and the crucifix and it it really they really obviously place a very strong emphasis on on faith and and god at at, at this this preschool so um it's setting things up for the season isn't it that religious theme and then we get to the high school reunion and what a laugh fest that was <laughs> uh, to begin with i like deb's surprise that dexter wanted to go at all and she, she said something about ah you're hoping to get laid <laughs> But uh, very quickly we learn that Dex has got a target and it seems that that's the only reason he wants to go because let's face it, we know Dex is not a social animal. And he's after the jerky jock from his school days, Joe Walker. High school, a small world unto itself, combining all the warmest elements of a federal work camp with those of a third world poultry farm. It's a miracle I graduated without killing anyone. And when he gets to the reunion, he's taken aback by how popular he seems to be everybody's coming up to him yo dexter and that they ought to hear about how he's doing and expressing their condolences about uh, about his wife and uh, we, we've got an assortment of characters I'm, i made a little note of some of them we had alan who um uk viewers uh, i thought he looked looked a bit like ben elton and uh <laughs> he remember, remembered how Dexter enjoyed dissection in class and Dexter was the first student to ask for seconds. <laughs> and then Mindy, oh, bloody hell, Dexter, the last man she ever dated. Here, meet my wife. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, there was Trisha. Uh, well, yeah, Trisha, wow. Uh, <laughs> surprise! <laughs> the fellatio he was never expecting. <laughs> Apparently, as, as thanks for copying from him in class. And then she was off. <laughs> but, oh, that scene. I, I love Dexter. Stop talking, Dexter. Uh, uh, and his funny noises. That was great. Loads of people wanting to say hello to him. And he had that little interaction with Harry, uh, where Harry observes how popular he is and Dexter hates it. And he says uh, about how he's used to flying under the radar. And Harry just says, enjoy it. Which surprised me. Is Harry changing? Has this part of Dexter's psyche realised he's becoming more normal and that it's okay to do normal things? I don't know. I mean, he, he uh, part of his code, if you like, is to blend in and try and appear normal. So um, maybe that kind of fits in there. So he goes back to join the party and then... Come on, Dexter! It's hammer time! Ah! Woo! I have no idea what hammer time is. Or how it differs from regular time. Oh, yes. <laughs> Dexter dancing, Mike. Oh, dear. 
I remember his discomfort in season one when Brian and Deb started dancing around the place. Oh, good dancing, he said. <laughs> but here he makes the effort to join in, and I loved Harry's goofy thumbs up. That was just great. And you could... <laughs> Dexter's face, wasn't it a picture? Because he kind of raises his eyebrows and gives a goofy smile, and it was just it was just great to see... Just to see him out of his element doing that, doing this really sort of crappy... Crappy dance, trying to join in and just not getting... Well, trying. <laughs> I love that sort of sideways shuffle. Great moment. And I'm sure at the end of the season when we're talking about our season six highlights, uh, what do you bet this is up there amongst them? <laughs> Great stuff. So, Dexter moves on to uh, try and nab Joe Walker. But first he, he tries to get the blood sample. And I thought that was funny when he goes up... He, he, he freaks his ring. No, I can't say that. <laughs> I can't believe I said that. I'll rephrase that. He has his uh, he has the ring on his finger and he's modified it with a sort of pinprick so uh, to try and get a sample of Joe's blood, doesn't he? And it was funny when instead, rather than shaking hands, Joe bumps fists with him. And uh, Dexter pricks his own hand and Dexter kind <laughs> of says, nice. <laughs> And uh, they end up having the American football game and uh, more chuckles as Dex is trying to read up on the terminology and what have you. And he needs to get close to nab some blood in another way, uh, breaks the syringe and um, ends up ends up sort of elbowing him in the nose and, and getting a sample of blood that way. That was a good touch. And um, the kill room with uh, where he kills Joe Walker, I thought that was a nice touch to give Walker quick reactions and uh, obviously have a bit of a scrap and but he's quickly uh, subdued and laying him out on the scoreboard that was nice and, and the Jesus tattoo which uh, gives Dexter an opportunity to question how Walker reconciles his belief in God with killing someone and it's quite funny how he does this and I loved how Walker sort of justified it by saying how uh, killing his wife was cheaper than divorce. That was a great line. But he goes on to talk about God forgiving. Really, it's as simple as that? You kill someone, God forgives you for it? Yes. So I can kill you and God will forgive me? Well, no. Well, you just said he would. You have to truly repent. Do you truly repent for killing Janet? Yes, definitely. Liar. No, 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 you don't want to do that! Why is that? Because if... If you let me go, God will give you life everlasting and whatever you want. Um, nah, there's really nothing I need. Uh, um, uh, you know, you, you don't want to, um, you don't want, you don't want to make God mad. Don't you hear how foolish you sound? Because he will smite you with swords and rocks and thunder. The thunder's just the noise, it would be lightning. You cannot kill me for God is a mighty fortress. Oh, please stop. And I've been washed in the blood of the Lamb and he will protect me! Sorry, hammer time. So that was really what Dexter was up to this episode. Let's dive into Deb and Quinn, who are obviously still together. But I like how Deb clearly wears the trousers in the relationship. And there are a few little touches this episode where we see they know each other so well. But obviously Deb's the one who's in charge. And the scene towards the end, where in the restaurant where Quinn is obviously going to propose... 
and I like it. I liked his nervousness. That was quite sweet. Um, a far cry from the cocky, uh, slightly corrupt police officer we saw in season four. But uh, the the meal time is quickly shattered with the gunman who comes in and opens fire without any kind of explanation. We'll probably get that next episode. But Deb quickly returns fire and realises he's wearing a vest. And I thought it was very clever how she opted to shoot his legs instead to uh, sort of bring him down. And she charged him fearlessly. God, she's uh, she's brave, isn't she? And clearly we're, we're meant to see people taking photos and, I don't know, maybe video clips with their phones. Uh, Deb gets injured as well. But, wow, kind of super cop there. She had no hesitation. The nightclub shooting in season five, that was the first time she killed anybody. But, boy, she's changed. I mean, we don't know what she's been through in the last uh, 12 months or so. What she's, what sort of, uh, what she's had to do on the, on the job, as it were. But she's got this newfound bravery i mean borderline reckless but christ super cops the word isn't it so uh that's deb and quinn laguerta and batista thankfully they're divorced because <laughs> uh, let's face it we were all bored shitless of them weren't we and uh laguerta's been promoted a captain which was interesting leaving the lieutenant's position vacant and obviously she's got batista in mind now, it was interesting, the the scene in the car park where Matthews joins her in the car. <laughs> Do you think we were meant to wonder if they were having an affair, just for a moment? It was like, no, no, <laughs> it can't be. It was set up briefly for a few seconds for us to think that, but, God, they've been through so much together, haven't they? You'd, you'd be insane. I mean, they'd be insane. I thought the affair, I thought that's what they were suggesting, but I just couldn't bring myself to buy it. And obviously uh, it wasn't the case. LaGuerta had been blackmailing Matthews. The little black book belonging to a Miami madam. I, I like that. And Matthews is now deputy chief. So uh, he's still got the power over LaGuerta. But um, she's obviously in an, an elevated position now. And there was the the veiled threat from Matthews about playing with the big boys now. I don't think LaGuerta is going to be altogether... I don't think she's going to be unduly concerned because she knows how to play the game, doesn't she? And um, she's uh, been a wily customer in the past. So uh, I don't think she's going to be too concerned at the moment. But she's she's obviously going to be keeping an eye on Matthews anyway. Then we've got Masuka, Professor Masuka. That was awesome. I did like Deb's amusement. Uh, and we've got a, co a collection of interns who were following him around and I loved his Masuka's attempts to impress them and sound really knowledgeable and important bless him you gotta love Masuka there was the the big woolly guy who who stood out and the blonde girl who uh, seemed to give Batista a look the blonde girl is played by Bria Grant who um sharp-eyed viewers may recognize from uh, a run in Heroes that she had back in was it season three maybe i forget it was around the time i stopped watching heroes <laughs> but i did see her introduction um she's been in a few other bits and bobs and she's on twitter bria grant i think at bria grant is her 
username on Twitter, so you can follow her if you like. Uh, but she's going to be a series regular this year. So uh, we're certainly going to be seeing... I say regular, I don't know how many episodes she's signed up for, but we're, we're going to be seeing a bit more of her, I think. And uh, and obviously this episode we found out that the... <laughs> I want to call him the big woolly guy, you know who I mean. <laughs> he uh, was initially the intern who got the job, but... Um, <laughs> fainting at that scene that wasn't a good start was it and um so uh, blonde girl got the job so we'll see her next week i'm sure so that's the department that brings us to our new big bads for the season which look to be a double act the character names are professor geller who's played by edward james olmos who uh has well i talked about in the last podcast has quite an illustrious showbiz career I won't re- uh, reiterate and repeat myself, but um, then we've got Travis, Travis Marshall, who's played by Colin Hanks. I like the teacher-pupil dynamic, although it seems to be, certainly so far, Travis, who's the one getting his hands dirty, but following the instructions of Geller all the way, it seems. <laughs> Did you think the CG effects were a bit dodgy? Firstly, when they pick up the pregnant water snake with the belly squirming and then the baby snakes coming out of the belly a bit later on uh, out of the the dead body yeah i thought the effects were a bit a bit naff really a <laughs> bit of a shame uh the killing of the fruit seller we had obviously travis doing the killing while geller watched from a distance or at least we assume he watched from a distance we only saw travis start to interact with the man while geller watched from the car but I don't know, maybe Geller joined him for the kill once the body was kind of moved into the brush round the back. The the method of the killing, the layout of the body afterwards, it was a bit weird, the, the guts in the scales. But <laughs> that was great how intrigued Dexter was. You could see him salivating and the sort of wonder in his eyes. <laughs> he's, uh, he's obviously impressed and, and it's got his interest right from the get-go. The Alpha Omega incisions and the embedded snakes, clear religious symbolism, which was well telegraphed from the trailers, uh, that religion would be a theme this season and that uh, the uh, Geller and Travis would, would have sort of religious, uh, how can I put it, religious, religious connections, uh, religious interests. They quoted from the Bible, it was Revelations chapter 13 verse 1, about the seven-headed beast rising out of the sea, and on its heads the name of blasphemy, referring to the devil perhaps, which just kind of set me wondering, are they the beast that's referred to in the verse, or did the dead man symbolise the beast? The quote, the beast with seven heads, the man had seven snakes in his belly, was it a hint as to their motive, blasphemy? Are they seeking to punish blasphemers? Anyone, any listeners with, well, religious listeners, yeah, religious listeners who um, might have more knowledge about this particular reference might like to um, maybe email in with some thoughts on that. And uh, I'd certainly invite anyone, any religious viewers, listeners, uh, who may have an opinion on the uh, obvious religious theme this season and how that sits with a TV show about a serial killer. Maybe I should insert a darkly, darkly humorous show about a serial killer. Does that sit well for you? I'd be interested to hear your thoughts, good or bad. Overall, I thought that was a really funny, really entertaining episode. 
it was for me probably the most laugh out loud funny episode of Dexter ever and uh, really ranked very very highly in the entertainment stakes Dexter himself he's in an interesting place he's in a very seemingly a, a I dare say it, happy place. He said he's not at all unhappy, comfortable believing in nothing. No fear there might be something more out there. He's not worried about that. Foreshadowing this season that he'll start to wonder if there really is more, maybe. But he says how he has to think about his son and what's best for him. So, clearly setting the stall out for this season, sowing some seeds... Uh, establishing the theme of religion for the season. We're, we're going to be talking about it a lot, I'm sure, over the next few weeks. Um, oh, there goes the plane. Can you hear that? <laughs> if you're new to Dissecting Dexter, then welcome to the mobile studio. Where I record from normally is the car park outside work, and uh, it's set amongst farmland. It's a very, very tranquil and rural spot, really. Uh, but we're near an RAF base from where they fly fighter planes and World War II aircraft and, and all sorts. And uh, so if you're new, if you're new to listening to me, I do apologise in advance. Get used to being interrupted by aircraft. <laughs> so they're my thoughts on the episode. Let's chat about what you guys thought. Listener Feedback. So we've got a nice mix of feedback this week. Uh, I'm pleased to say that we've got a few voicemails to go through. First, though, I just want to touch on the emails that I received. First, from our good friend Tom in Poland, who just wrote to say, Hi, it is so good to see new Dexter. I haven't really tracked any news about this season, so I only had a vague idea about what will be happening. This episode was thoroughly enjoyable. It opens up few possibly interesting subplots. I believe I'm really going to enjoy it along with your podcasts about it. Thanks, I'm glad to have you back for the new season. Uh, interesting that you haven't been tracking any news about the season uh, over the hiatus. I know a lot of people uh, tend to keep their heads down and don't want to know the slightest tidbit of information about the coming season and just be completely surprised as as it unfolds. And uh, to be honest, as I say, I, I like to stay pretty spoiler-free. I did watch the uh, teasers in the trailers prior to season six starting so i was forewarned about the the heavy emphasis on religion this season uh but i don't know i haven't been looking at future episode titles or um synopses of future episodes so yeah i, I like to stay i like to stay pretty spoiler free like you tom so um yeah glad to have you back for this season uh, hope to hear from you again next email our good friend Sandy in Seattle, who, of course, recommended the book Psychology of Dexter, uh, which I've plugged before. And uh, I still recommend anybody who's interested in really delving into the psychology of the show. I mean, I can only scratch the surface in the podcast and I do make attempts to dissect his character uh, and, and some of the other characters in the show. But um you know, as you as you guys know, I'm certainly not a trained psychologist by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, I just have fun 
dissecting the characters, but if you really want to get stuck into the psychology of the show and the characters specifically, uh, then get the psychology of Dexter book. You can get it on Amazon. It's edited by Bella De Paolo, and it's a series of essays uh, by psych- uh, psychiatrists and uh, psychologists tackling all kinds of well tackling the show from all different angles it's a great read if you if you're a fan of dexter back to sandy who says hi gareth aren't you thrilled i've never been so giddy for the premiere of a season i just downloaded your season six preview look forward to that and of course i watched the first episode of dexter tonight it was a nice setup i have high hopes for this season sounds interesting lots of funny moments right off the bat too Professor Masuka and his students, Harry in the huddle with Dexter, teaching him football, Dexter being popular at his reunion. I was waiting for Dexter to say, tonight's the night at some point, because that's how I felt. Tonight's the night that Dexter's back. Look forward to the podcast. Thanks, Sandy. Always good to hear from you. It's nice to have some of the old names, not old as in, well, you know what I mean. <laughs> some of the old faithful coming back and uh, and sending in some feedback. It's great to uh, to hear from you guys again. And uh, you mentioned some uh, some good highlights from the episode. I did enjoy Harry at the football game cheering Dexter on like, well, like any dad would of his son at a football game. Uh, so that was a nice touch. OK, on to the voicemails. First up, uh, first time caller Danielle, who has um, been a fairly regular tweeter, shall we say, to the, the Twitter feed. Uh, she's in the Netherlands and she rings in with this call. Hey Garrett, this is Danielle from the Netherlands and I just finished watching the season premiere of uh, season 6 of Dexter and I must say I really enjoy it. I'm very excited about what they're going to do with the religion part. It's very heavy on us but still it's an amazing uh, thing. I want to see how Dexter is handling it and what he's getting out of it and maybe he finds something for his dark monster and he can transform it into something good although I think he he somehow knows he's doing the wrong things but also knowing he's doing good things so yeah just wanted to let you know keep up the good work bye bye thanks Danielle Religion is indeed a very heavy subject and it was perhaps inevitable that the show would explore that at some point. But it really is a big subject to to tackle and you could say that the writers are pretty brave in um, in exploring it from the point of view of a serial killer. But um, no, I'm excited as you are and uh, looking forward to how this season unfolds and you you speculate that maybe exploring religion in some way will help his dark passenger maybe it will maybe it will have Dexter see himself as a kind of avenging angel we talked about this on the season six preview conference call a couple of weeks ago with Matt and Axel that very thing came up as to whether Dexter would find some kind of spiritual or religious justification for what he's doing whether Geller and Travis are killing for God remains to be seen. It certainly appears to be that way. And from there's a YouTube video that I posted on the Facebook page where the showrunner Scott Buck talks about this season and mentions Geller and Travis in that they're different from previous big bads in the show. 
and how previously the serial killers have pretty much universally killed for selfish reasons, but puts it out there that Geller and Travis are killing for a more, <laughs> for a higher power, should we say. They have slightly different motivations for what they're doing, but um, we shall see. I mean, it'll all, uh, all will be revealed, I'm sure. But maybe Dexter will take some inspiration for that, from that, and as I say, find some kind of justification. Although I uh, have been recently re-watching season two, as, as regular subscribers will know, and in the last episode that we talked about, uh, season two, episode three, Agent Lundy, our old good friend, told Dexter that killing is justified when it's to protect an innocent life. And Dexter seemed to take some, seemed to take that on board at the time, and said, "Well, how many innocent lives would have been lost if I hadn't stopped these people that I've killed?" So uh, he already kind of has this light, has this sort of green light from from an FBI agent right back in season two. But it's interesting how this, well, to explore the religious theme and, and whether that will, whether that will give Dexter some justification. He's he's kind of at the beginning of that journey and remains very sceptical at the moment. So thanks, Danielle. Next email. I'm sorry uh, to the caller, I couldn't quite catch your name at the beginning of the call. Uh, it sounds like Justin. Forgive me if I've misheard you. Uh, perhaps um, next time you, you could ring in again and, and confirm your name. I do apologise for not being able to... Uh, uh, I guess it, it was a bad line, um, and I wasn't able to quite catch your name correctly. So, as I say, apologies for that. But um, <laughs> I'll call you Justin for now, and, uh, and this is what you had to say. Hello, Gareth. Justin Pinnacki calling in for the first time. I said, listen to your second Dexter podcast about a month and a half ago. I just watched the season five DVD in whole, which finally caught me up with the series, which took me from about May to August to finish the first five seasons. I listen to podcasts all the time, so I searched Dexter and found your podcast and started listening, which caught, which I got caught up with in about a month. I can't wait to watch the season with you and your listeners. It's kind of the first chance you get to do this with a big series because it came late to the Lost Party. It's kind of sucked, but anyways, we got Dexter now. Sorry for the long intro. I just I just watched season six premiere of Dexter, and the first thing I have to say is that I never laughed so much during a Dexter episode. This episode is pretty light compared to what we're used to, but in a good way. Dexter at uh, his high school reunion was some of the funniest material that Hall had to work with, I, I and I loved Harry in this episode. But she has got to be a ghost, let's face it. Dexter. Now, again, I apologise. Quite clearly, you were cut off mid-flow there after exactly one minute of talking. You were just getting on to some interesting points as well after your introduction. And uh, as I say, I can only apologise. The listener line I have adjusted, when I took out the account, it didn't say that, list that uh, callers were only able to send to record a message of one minute's duration. That was not made clear, and I found out today that, indeed, uh, <laughs> there, there was only one minute of call time allowed, so that's why Justin was cut off there. I have today uh, put my hand in my pocket and, uh, and paid for a proper account, so there's now a five-minute uh, call duration limit, so um, that should hopefully uh, be enough time for anybody who calls into the US listener line to leave a decent message, so um, or your full message. So, apologies for you being cut off there. With regards to your points, uh, firstly, uh, <laughs> you say how funny the episode was, and indeed it was. Uh, it was certainly the funniest episode probably ever. 
Um, there, there were consistent chuckles to be had. And just before you got cut, got cut off, you, you mentioned that you think Harry is a ghost, which is an interesting one. We've talked on the podcast before and speculated about what Harry may or may not be. At one point I stated, I put my, put my neck on the line and, and said that I thought maybe Harry represents the Dark Passenger. I'm not so sure that's the case now, and I, I did kind of take that back some time ago. Um, I think he's shown too much goodness um, and, and willing to give Dexter credit uh, to be written off simply as the Dark Passenger. I'm at a place now where I fully believe, well, excuse me, that, De- that Harry represents a part of... Dexter's psyche, kind of a Jiminy Cricket type situation. I don't think Harry's a ghost, that's my own opinion. Um, I'd be interested to hear from any other listeners actually who think that Harry's a ghost uh, and maybe get some. It, it sounded like, as I say, Justin, you were cut off mid flow and, and perhaps you were going to elaborate on that point. Again, I apologise that you weren't able to finish. Uh, maybe you could call in and, and elaborate on that theory. And as I say, any other listeners who have that opinion that Harry is a ghost. My my certainty that Harry isn't a ghost is based a lot on the fact that there's been no supernatural element to the show. I mean, I can't say with a, with enormous with 100% certainty that he's not a ghost. This is just my opinion. I I just I've just seen enough and and kind of taken enough from the show and the character. Uh, to believe that he just represents a part of Dexter's psyche. I mean, we know Dexter's mind is in, well, not in the same sort of place as, as most of us, and uh, he's got this sort of fragment, he's got this dark passenger, he's got this inner part of himself that's kind of um, trying to control him and urging, uh, forcing him to kill. I, I guess I'm kind of rambling a bit, but uh, as just getting back to the point, uh, yeah, Justin, if if you'd like to call in again, perhaps, and elaborate on your theory, and maybe we can explore that a bit more next time so uh sorry you got cut off mate uh hope to hear from you again okay next call uh it's a british caller hooray and uh this is ian from bristol who was actually our first uk caller early in season five and it's good to hear from ian again and this is what he had to say hi gareth i'm ian from bristol i left a message for your dexter podcast last season I thought I'd try and respond a little bit more often this this season if I can. Um, I've just finished watching Dexter Season 6, Episode 1, and just wanted to share my thoughts quickly with you and your other listeners. Um, I thought this was a, a good, solid first episode for the series, um, doing exactly what it needs to do as a season opener. So it quickly introduces Dexter for new viewers. Um, I don't know why they had such a long previously on Dexter introduction, though. It seemed to cover all the previous seasons, um, most of which probably not of, not of any importance. We got a kill of the week to satisfy regular Dexter viewers, um, something that was missing from last season. Uh, it clears away some of the things that didn't seem to be working, some of the characters, uh, and it sets the scene for the major plot threads this season. So I thought as an opening episode, it was uh, it was pretty good. Um, the major theme this season seems to be uh, a religious theme, uh, indicated by Harrison's new Catholic school, and I'm assuming the motivation behind the new major serial killer, uh, Edward James Olmos's character. It's unfortunate that the mad religious serial killer plot has been done to death by um, most other kind of shows, so I hope that uh, Dexter can bring something new to this. Uh, I'm also assuming that the younger person assisting Olmos is his son, so perhaps a direct comparison between uh, the new killers and Harry and Dexter. In fact, perhaps Edward James Olmos's character is exactly like Harry, 
a ghostly guiding hand uh, instructing his son to commit the murders in the same way as Harry guides Dexter. I don't know what the snakes from the, the belly reference is um, for their first murder victim, so I hope one of your other listeners can enlighten us and, and explain where that might come from uh, and what it might mean for the rest of the series. It's uh, nice to see not one or even two, but three kills of the week. Uh, the first two were, were particularly good, a bit of a twist there. Um, I think it's a good introduction to Dexter's character for those uh, new casual viewers um, to show exactly what he's like straight away. It's uh, good to see this old kind of simplistic Dexter character back rather than a more complicated one. In fact, the whole episode seemed to be typical Dexter uh, and a return to, to the style of the earlier series. It was nice to see a lot of humour in this episode. Um, I particularly liked the predatory single females attempting to catch Dexter at his high school reunion. And I liked Professor Masuka's new role with the interns. Uh, I thought that was, that was a standout moment as well. Um, although Debs didn't swear very much in this episode, which is always a bit disappointing, as she always has a has some unique new swear words that I've never heard before. Um, I think there was some poor character development um, in the last season of Dexter, so it's it's good to see that some of the, those have been resolved or attempt to be resolved. So Angel and Laguerta have separated, which which I think will benefit Angel's character significantly, uh, and it also looks like we have Angel's sister as the new babysitter role. So perhaps there could be a, a love interest there for Dexter. I don't know. So um, going back to LaGuerta, it looks like she's blackmailed her way into promotion. Um, and the first thing I thought is she's got potential murder victim written all over her forehead now. Um, she's obviously made some enemies. Uh, so I presume that at some point during the series, Dexter will be visiting her crime scene and um, wiping up her blood. Additionally, um, the uh, lieutenant job that she's left uh, has now become vacant. It's indicated that Angel will pick that up. I think now that Debs has, has done her civic duty and been injured in the line of duty, um, or captured on mobile phone as well, I think her, her, she has potential there to become become the new lieutenant. So there could be some, some infighting between her and Angel. Uh, in summary, I thought it was a really good opening episode. It sets the, the plot threads going. It develops some of the secondary characters and has Dexter returning back to his, his normal self that we all know and love. So thanks very much for your podcast, Gareth. Um, keep up the good work, and I look forward to hearing the next one. See you soon. Bye-bye. You're listening to Dissecting Dexter. Is that serious shit? <laughs> thanks, Ian. That was a really good call. Some You, you bring up numerous good points. Uh, there was, of course, a, a lengthy intro, literally an introduction for new viewers, I'm sure, and... I don't think it's entirely coincidental that they've done this in light of the viewing figures that have increased year on year. And as I talked about earlier, the premiere for season six has, has surpassed previous numbers. It was up to what 24% on the premiere for season five. So clearly the show is still attracting new viewers. So um, it's great that people, new people are discovering the show. That's only a good thing. And, uh, will no doubt contribute to the show's continuing production. Uh, although there is something that might be a spanner in the works, which I shall touch on um, in a little while. Yeah, so very much scene setting there. And you mentioned the religious theme and the fact that the religious killer, or rather a serial killer that's driven by religious motivations or belief that he or she are, do, are killing for God or, or whatever higher power... Uh, it's certainly been done before in other shows, obviously not by Dexter. And uh, I guess this is, well it is, it's new ground for the show. 
And unlike other shows whose protagonists may be uh, law enforcement officers or, um, I don't know, Miss Marple or Jessica Fletcher, you know, that sort of type. In Dexter, of course, our protagonist is a serial killer himself who has no spiritual inclinations. Uh, so within the scope of, of Dexter as a TV show, this is, of course, new ground and exploring... Well, it's setting up a situation that's very fresh in television, I think. Um, so it's it's fascinating stuff, and um, I'm sure you're as eager as I am to find out where they take it. You mentioned the snakes and what sort of symbolism there is there. I did talk a little bit in the uh, review section about the quote that uh, Edward James Olmos's character um, came out with from the book of Revelation in the Bible. And you mentioned specifically the snakes, which are obviously widely regarded as a symbol of evil. Remembering the uh, the book of Genesis in the Bible and the story of Adam and Eve and how they were tempted by the snakes. So really snakes in religion, in Christianity specifically, goes right back to the very first book of the Bible. And how snakes have never really, um, never really been good news. Uh, as I say, I, I talked about the, the quote that uh, almost his character, who um, who we know, well, not in the show yet, but um, it's been publicised, his character is called Professor Geller. I talked about what the, what the quote represents. I'm sure uh, within the show they'll talk about the symbolism of what was, uh, how that body was set up and the uh, engraving in his belly and the snakes coming out and the Alpha Omega stuff. You theorised that maybe Geller's partner would be his son. Um, I... <laughs> The word spoilers is springing to mind. I mean, it's the character names this season have been fairly widely publicised and I don't think it's a great secret. As I say, although it's not been acknowledged in the show yet about these character names, Olmos' character is Professor Geller and Colin Hanks' character is called Travis Marshall. I don't think they're going to be related, but um, certainly there seems to be... I don't know so much about a father-son relationship, but certainly the impression is that it's a teacher-pupil relationship. And you speculated whether Geller would be a kind of Harry-like character. That's, that's an interesting one. Um, he could well be insofar as trying to guide, guide Travis, guide Colin Hanks's character in a certain direction. It seems that he's going to be some kind of teacher for him. But, you know, there's, there's lots more... Well, we hardly know anything within the show about their relationship yet, so uh, we're just kind of speculating and going by what we know from the show's publicity over the hiatus. You obviously like the the typical Dexter getting back to the roots, and indeed, I did too. Uh, it's good to see Dexter full of confidence again and comfortable in his own skin, and uh, with this with this focus. I hope that he gets a lot out of this season insofar as learning not religion necessarily but maybe finding a little bit of spirituality shall we say and maybe getting something from it not going to say that i think he's going to turn into a he's not going to become a a born again christian or, or anything like that but maybe he'll find something in himself that kind of leads him a little bit nearer to nearer the light shall we say uh, you mentioned Deb swearing. Yeah, there wasn't a great deal of bad language this episode, and you know I'm not a great advocate for overdoing the bad language, but uh, she did come out with one perler. Holy Frankenfuck snakes! <laughs> Angel and Laguerta, you were heartened by uh, their split, 
uh, as indeed was I, and I'm sure I'm in good company there. LaGuerta, you mentioned now, might be a potential murder victim. That's possible. She certainly made an enemy of Captain... of uh, <laughs> Formerly Captain Matthews, now Deputy, Deputy Chief. So, um, yeah, there may be... There may be something there. I think there are a lot of uh, listeners to the podcast who are very anti-LaGuerta. And uh, I've not been her biggest fan for a while. So, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if she turned up dead this season. And that kind of makes way for maybe a new character to be introduced. We know there is uh, one new character on the way in the department. And, uh, well, we've not, we've not, who we've not met yet, I should add. I won't say any more about that, just in case um, people don't want to be uh, spoiled on that count. And you speculate whether Deb will become lieutenant. Um, I don't know, maybe maybe Matthews appoints her uh, in light of the, the super cop thing in the restaurant. We know that LaGuerta is going to back Batista. So, um, yeah, maybe Matthews, maybe that's a sort of two-fingered gesture at LaGuerta that Matthews appoints his own choice over LaGuerta. So thanks, Ian. I hope to hear from you again. Our last voicemail this time is another British listener. Isn't that fantastic? It really is good. I'm really pleased to to have some fellow Brits on the show. This is Matthew in London, who calls in with this. Hey, Gareth. Loving the podcast as ever. It's really great to have a new season of Dexter kicking off. I love seeing the familiar characters in new situations. Thought I'd make up for missing the boat on those last two podcasts, and I really had something to say for episode two as well, but no worries. So I thought I'd use your listener line. All right, first of all, I wanted to say that first time around, I was actually a little bit disappointed with the season as opening. Not that it was bad, it was pretty impressive. But after season five's immediate starter, it felt a little bit disjointed. But when I went back and watched the other premieres of the seasons, I was reminded they all started this way, so I stopped whinging. I guess there was only one bad part. Dexter calling 911 to get his victims to come to him. Really? We know from season 5 that Miami keeps records of 911 calls. So when they realise that his paramedics have vanished, they'll go, well, who was the last person they had contact with when they disappeared? Well, they disappeared on duty, so we've got the records. And Bob's my dad's brother, there's Dexter's voice. I just feel this is really sloppy and careless of the writers not to have him use a, well, like a fake voice like he used in season 3. But then again, these are the people who let the whole Deborah, Maria, Mansung, Santa Maria case evaporate last year. So, uh, yeah, okay. Although, good points. We seem to have gone back to the old Kill of the Week system, which I love. We also got to see three people becoming blood slides this time, which I think is a new record. And we got to see what became of Mindy, Dexter's prom date. I absolutely pissed myself when she revealed her wife and that Dexter effectively turned her a lesbian. It really cracked me up. I also love Quinn getting a bollocking from Deb about the flat screen. The chemistry between them is just really great. I love them as a couple. I also love to see Deb just whipping out her gun and getting into action at the bar scene. She's like a real cop now after season five. I have just one or two things that I'd like to see this season. Just two. Miami Metro to have several smaller cases that just last an episode. You know what they did in seasons one, two, and a couple there in three? As well as the massive story arc, it's bad. And I'd also like to see Dex dispatch Colin, Hanks, and uh, Henry James almost early. Not because I don't like them, because I think Colin's a great actor. But I think it would really catch the viewer off guard, and I'd like to be surprised by that for once. And after going back the second time, I was a lot more impressed. It felt mostly polished, and Dexter's line when he tried to use his ring and ended up stabbing himself was brilliant. Great. A sample of my own blood. Perfect. 
the show seems to have got its dark humour back. It kind of slipped a little in season five. Overall, really enjoying it. Nice opening. Looking forward to the rest of the season. Keep up the good work, guys. Thanks, Matthew. Fantastic to hear from you. We've talked quite a bit on Twitter over the months, and uh, you, you've been a good contributor uh, via Twitter, and uh, you brought up some good points as we've as we've been talking. And uh, you bring up a fantastic point in your call there, specifically about the nine one one call that Dexter made at the beginning. And I must confess, I'll put my hand up. The point you raised did not occur to me as I was watching it. Indeed, his call to 911 requesting an ambulance would no doubt have been recorded it'll be in the system and yet what will happen when those two paramedics don't report back in it will be logged as to where they were heading so you'd expect police to be turning up to to investigate what happened to them they'll have family that will have missed them i mean yeah the the bodies may well never be found but yeah you could argue that was maybe reckless by dexter but did the writers drop the ball there, forgetting that that uh, the call would be recorded, the paramedics would get missed, they would be traced to where their last known location was? Does the ambulance have GPS on it? It probably does. You know, when, when investigations were made, who knows, they might take casts of, of footprints, they might see signs of a struggle. You know, did Dexter have a rake in the back of his car so he could go out and, and um, remove evidence of footprints? Uh, he dropped that knife that had blood on it. Would that have dropped on the ground and left blood evidence on the ground? Yeah, that was... It just, I think I, it was right at the beginning of the episode and I kind of excused myself that I was just so excited at having a new episode and, and eager to see what was going to unfold that, uh, that that completely passed me by. And of the feedback that I've received, Matthew, you're the only one to mention that. Whether that will be revisited next week or not, I don't know. Or whether it will come back to bite him later in the season, we shall see. But, I mean, it did seem like uh, not even the, it wasn't even the kill of the week, that scene, was it? Joe Walker was the kill of the week. Uh, and this was just kind of an introduction with Dexter saying how he's you know back in the zone and in a good place. Bloody hell, yeah. <laughs> good point, mate. Elsewhere in your call, you talked about the uh, Mindy, you enjoying that, that Dexter seemingly turned her to uh, <laughs> to become a lesbian. I mean, you'd like to think that maybe uh, Mindy was already having doubts and Dexter was kind of the, the last nail in the coffin for her heterosexuality. But that was amusing. <laughs> Meet my wife. You like the Deb Quinn relationship? That's grown on me too. There are a lot of people last season who weren't interested in the Deb Quinn relationship storyline. Uh, you know, not everyone's a shipper. Uh, and by that I mean people who are kind of interested in the relationships within a show. And, uh, you know, we had the LaGuerta Batista Yornathon last year. Uh, but the Deb Quinn dynamic did interest me last year because they both had good character arcs. And obviously, well, I say obviously, it does seem that Quinn's continued movement into the sort of good cop side of things, shall we say, uh, has continued. And um, he, he's obviously continued to get closer to Deb and, and be there for her. And he obviously loves her, wants to marry her. I think that's a good thing. And, um, well, we'll see what happens with their relationship, uh, how she'll react to the proposal. Yeah. Obviously, she accepted Brian Moses' proposal in the first season. So she's she is open to the 
to the suggestion. You wanted some smaller cases this season. Um, I mean, the case of the week is something that's not really been... You know, we've had the kill of the week for Dexter, but the case of the week for the department hasn't really been used very often in the show. Uh, you know, there are people that are fans of, of the procedural drama, and with the viewership increasing, maybe the writers, in order to hold on to some of those new viewers, maybe they will bring in a more procedural element and and, and bring in that aspect more this season and, and have that more procedural kind of feel it it would give some of the supporting characters a bit more to do it, it remains to be seen what involvement our supporting cast will will have with the main storyline well having said that clearly the, the these new two serial killers that we've got this season clearly that case is going to be occupying uh, Miami homicides time and the religious aspect ties in with Dexter's uh, predicted journey this season so there seems to be a lot of overlap there, so um, hopefully that that bodes well, and that our supporting characters will have that crossover into the main storyline. So, um, as I say, bodes well, I think. Oh yeah, your your last point, Matthew, there about maybe killing Geller and Travis early on in the season. That's a bold one, and I don't know whether the show would have the balls to do that. Um, I don't really want to. Uh, step into the realms of spoilers so because I, I do know one or two things just from publicity about casting over the summer so i i won't i won't sort of follow that that theory through any further here um just for sort of spoilers sake um so i'll move on to your final point about humor uh it's it was refreshing to have they really turned up the humor this episode and whether that continues we shall see but you're right it did dip a bit in season five it was it was a more somber season and maybe that was intentional in light of the passing of Rita and Dexter's grieving and um, helping Lumen in what was a very traumatic kind of journey there for her okay so thanks very much everybody who phoned and emailed in this time the listener lines in the US it's 646-222-6122 and that number is accessible internationally, so anybody who wants to make a phone call into me, then um, you can dial that internationally, but obviously uh, your call costs might um, be a bit more, unless you use Skype or something like that. In the UK, the number is 0844-579-6949, and with the UK line, you enter mailbox ID 08320 when the voice prompts you. Uh, that's only for the UK line. You can also email me, it's dissectingdexter at gmail.com, where you can also send an mp3 or WAV file or iPhone recording if you want to email me a voicemail. You can contact me on Twitter as well, it's at dissectdexter, or you can follow my personal Twitter, which is at gareth underscore UK. There's also the new Facebook page, if you search Dissecting Dexter, you'll be able to find it. Next time on Dissecting Dexter. The next episode is called Once Upon a Time. And for spoilers sake, for my own benefit, as much as anybody else's, I've not read the synopsis, so I don't know what's coming up or what the official announcement is as to what's coming up in the next episode. So this is purely speculation. Uh, 
Dexter, well, clearly his interest has been piqued uh, by the religious aspect to the uh, the rather grisly killing that they uncovered this time. And maybe he thinks, well, obviously he's he's always interested in serial killers, other serial killers, and especially if they offer anything different, anything unique. And that seems to be the case here. But also, in light of his new interest in religion or spiritualism, or probably I should just say religion perhaps at this point, maybe he feels he might be able to learn something from these killers. Or rather, I should say killer, because uh, they don't know that there's more than one yet, do they? Uh, so that's that's obviously going to unfold more. I mean, it's early days yet, so it's it's very early to be speculating too much. Deb, it seems pretty obvious she's going to have a super cop label very soon. Uh, I'm sure there's going to be a media frenzy. She's going to be the media darling and uh, probably the darling of Miami PD. And I'm sure Matthews will be her new best friend. And uh, it wouldn't surprise me at all if uh, he puts her forward as the new lieutenant. And uh, as I mentioned in the feedback section, uses it as... Uh, well, an, an additional benefit will be uh, to sort of thumb his nose at LaGuerta, who um, has already been established as wanting Batista for the job. Which brings us to Batista. Now, just lately, there's, there still seems to be a lot of heat for Batista, a lot of hate. And I put the blame largely at the feet of the writers who have really underused him in recent seasons. Season one, he was established pretty nicely and, and we saw some of his personal troubles with his divorce and the daughters, um, his, we saw a bit of his daughter and his sadness about that, uh, his ups and downs thinking he was going to get back with his wife and then being brought, being brought back down to earth again. And personally, I've always liked him. He's always been a nice guy. I think he's portrayed very warmly by David Zayas, who himself has received some flack from listeners I was having a, a bit of a Twitter conversation with um, Sasha in Belgium um, yesterday who uh, was sort of firing a few shots at, at Zayas and his acting ability. And, you know, he's entitled to his opinion. I mean, this is just my opinion. I, I've i not seen Zayas in anything else, or not knowingly, or not that I can remember. So I can't really compare his acting chops in anything else. But I think he's portrayed Batista very well and done fine with what material he's been given. I mean, he and Lauren Velez have both been at a disadvantage with the crap storyline they were given, the the relationship stuff, just treading water as characters, really. But they seem to be moving LaGuerta on now, which is good. Uh, I'll be interested to see how things unfold with her there. There's still that animosity with Matthews, which is clearly not going to go away. Batista, the storyline that's being established with his sister and her being very close to Dexter and Harrison that uh, she's going to mention things to Batista that maybe start to sow some seeds of suspicion in his mind and you know we talked about this before and on the conference call with Axel and Matt um, that maybe Batista would be the one to find out or have some strong suspicions about Dexter this season and they did seem to be planting one or two seeds uh, in this first episode. So I have hopes for Batista especially, uh, and I would certainly miss him more than LaGuerta if either of them were, were killed off. Uh, and then we've got the, the these two serial killers, or, or new killers who seem to be embarking on a new, sort of, <laughs> on a mission from God, <laughs> uh, to quote Blues Brothers. Um, 
and you know it's to be revealed what their motivation is certainly within the show and i think it's going to be fascinating it's it's been widely reported in the media in interviews with cast and crew that this is going to be a there's going to be a lot of dark stuff this season and i welcome that i'm i'm it only adds to my sense of excitement for the season you're listening to dissecting dexter email your feedback to dissectingdexter at gmail.com blood Sometimes it sets my teeth on edge. There have, this week, been some background shenanigans, for want of a better word. Michael C. Hall is currently in negotiations to extend his contract beyond this season. This season is about to finish filming. Uh, It's nearly in the bag. And Showtime are looking ahead to season seven and season eight. They're trying to negotiate a contract for two more seasons. Hall is apparently, or Hall and his people, uh, are holding out for twenty a salary of $24 million to cover those two seasons. Showtime apparently have offered $20 million. Now, we can debate whether or not that's a sickening amount of money, uh, but when you consider the increasing viewership and that Dexter is one of Showtime's flagship shows and one of the big attractions to new subscribers to the cable network... You know, he's he's a big commodity and an important commodity. Dexter, the show, is an important commodity to Showtime. So you can forgive them, really, for offering that kind of money. But apparently it's a, an option to maybe just renew him for one more season. But what comes out of this is that there is the possibility that negotiations will completely break down and, God forbid, season six is the end. It does appear that creatively they've not written season six to be the end so if it does turn out to be the end it looks like we're not going to get a satisfying conclusion which would be a travesty so hopefully they'll negotiate at least one more season and the creative team will be able to wrap things up the way they want to wrap things up but as it stands there's apparently an impasse but hopefully they'll sort things out that's behind the scenes i'll report back about that next time hopefully we'll have some positive news but as far as the show's concerned the show on screen i'm going to say this that it looks set to be a dark season and a really exciting one and i'm hoping for continued well enormous continued development in dexter's personal journey and development and i look forward to talking about it with you so for now from me thanks very much for listening and your continued support and feedback Look forward to hearing from you again very soon. Join me next week and we'll dissect some more Dexter. Until then, take care.